Nyata, hello. My name is Alison and I pastor a church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary, and we're based on Peak Warren Country in Warrnambool. Today I'm looking at Romans with a focus on chapter 6, but with allusions to other parts of the letter, particularly chapters 1, 8, 12 and 13, so I'll leave you to read that. I'll also quote extensively from Wendell Berry's poem, Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front, and it's with Berry's words that I'll open. Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay. Want more of everything ready-made. Be afraid to know your neighbours and to die. With these few words, the poet Wendell Berry describes a way of life that we have been trained to desire. Paid work with upward mobility and holiday pay and even long service leave for the lucky ones. Ready-made clothes and meals, entertainment, erotica. Constant turnover of cheap goods. Streaming services, binge-watching, porn-on-demand, social media. Single-family homes and neighbourhoods built for privacy. Independent car travel. Suburban sprawl. And what are the consequences of this way of life? Around us we are seeing record rates of loneliness. People report having far fewer friends than once was considered normal. And young adults are far less likely to engage in a sexual relationship than their elders at the same age. It's been a collapse in volunteerism and of just hanging out. There's a widespread sense that other people are hell or at least an inconvenience we are unwilling or unable to put up with in person. So we walk around with headphones on whenever we're in public. What else do we see? Atomization and isolation. Skyrocketing rates of depression, high rates of addiction and other pain-numbing tactics. As Barry so succinctly puts it, be afraid to know your neighbours and to die. Every context has its own ways of sin and death. It might be the buying and selling of human bodies in the slave trade, or the slaughter of human bodies in war, or the negation of female, intersex and trans bodies in the patriarchy. It might be the environmental destruction wrought by 1st century Roman invasion, or 18th century Anglo-French wars, or 19th century colonisation or the ongoing devastation that a Western way of life demands. Or it might be the slow death that Berry describes, the death which comes about through blind participation in a capitalist economy. It's death through gross consumerism, death through hyper-busyness and hyper-mobility, through being too rushed, too absent or too distracted, to hang out with one's neighbours or the members of one's church. It's death through social atomization and loneliness and through lack of real connection or community in our lives. The people of first century Rome were very familiar with ways of sin and death. It was a brutal, rapacious society governed by brutal and rapacious men 
power resided first in the male head of household and then up through various male patrons to the ultimate power, the emperor. Those lower in the social hierarchy constantly sought favour with those a little higher, even as they were frequently shamed and treated with contempt. As for the lowest of the low, women and children and slaves, they had no bodily autonomy. Their bodies could be bought, sold and used in any way at any time by their masters. A long period of invasion and war had seen the slaughter and the displacement and enslavement of millions of people and had devastating effects on the land. And yet Rome proclaimed its greatness. The emperor was a self-declared son of God who claimed to bring peace, justice and liberation wherever his armies went. Whenever Rome colonised a new region, glad tidings, good news, gospel were proclaimed. Even as women were raped, villages raised, captives funnelled into slavery and whole societies torn apart. It's into this context that the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the Christians in Rome. Generations of translations have tried to depoliticize the text, turning it into a treatise on personal morality, but it's not. Paul is taking the language and symbols of empire and deliberately subverting them. We see this in the opening lines of the letter, where he introduces himself as a slave not of the emperor, but of Jesus Christ. He says that Jesus, not Augustus, is God's son. He proclaims the gospel not of Rome, but of God, and he declares that peace, justice and liberation come not through the military, but through Christ. He then invites readers to read between the lines as he describes the violent sexual excesses of the emperor, the injustice of Rome and the imperative of justice in the life of faith. Perhaps you haven't previously thought of Romans as a text about justice, but the word commonly translated as righteousness is quite simply justice, and the word wickedness, injustice, and we are made just by faith. So Paul sets the groundwork and then invites readers into a new citizenship and a new way of being in the world, which subverts empire, challenges loyalties, and dances to the beat of a different drum. Wendell Berry might be paraphrasing the letter's major themes when he writes, Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Denounce the government and embrace the flag. In his letter, Paul says it obliquely and at much greater length, but he makes very similar points. Give your allegiance not to the emperor, but to the God made known in Jesus Christ. Pay lip service to the emperor, but respect where respect is due. The earth groans. Care for it tenderly. Don't work just for money or status or the things Rome values, but for justice. Love without expectation of return. Love those who persecute you. Love those who have been shamed. Recognise government-mandated injustice and violence and exploitation and call it what it is. For only love is the fulfilment of the law.
Even so, bless your enemies, even the governing authorities who make your life so hard. Pay your taxes, fly under the radar when you can, and overcome evil with good. It's a big ask. All around, empire looms and sin seems inevitable and inescapable. So, asks Paul, do we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Do we continue to capitulate to the lies and the harms of the society around us? Do we praise God on Sunday and yet live the rest of the week like everybody else? Trusting in grace to paper over the chasm between our stated faith and our actual lives? Or perhaps, because let's be honest, continuing in sin feels easier. To put it in our context, continuing to be hyper-busy and hyper-mobile, constantly travelling, working, shopping, sorting, juggling, substituting online presence for embodied relationships, and retreating to private homes to order ready-made clothes and stream ready-made entertainment. Well, it's a path of least resistance. Resistance means discomfort. It means living differently and making hard choices. It means being poorer, less important, less sexy and less up to date with what everyone else is watching and doing and being. In the juggernaut that is capitalism, in our culture and economy, in the face of climate catastrophe, any such effort seems futile. And as Jesus warns, it may lead to rejection by family, friends and the wider community. But, Paul asks, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Why would we choose that? We know it leads to atomization and loneliness. We know it's an embodiment of injustice. We know it leads to slow death from the inside out. And we know it contributes to social disintegration and climate collapse. And we've been invited into something new, something good. For he writes, those of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were buried with him into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. Do you hear that? In baptism we have died with Christ, and in doing so we have died to our way of life. We've died to the desires and lies of a society which turns neighbours into rivals and breaks down relationships and creates this epidemic of loneliness. We have died to the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay, everything ready-made. We've died to the rapacious consumption which chokes the planet with rotting clothes and microplastics and wildfire smoke. We've died to endless travel and its carbon cost. We've died to hyper-busyness and all that prevents us from knowing and loving our neighbour. Indeed, we have died to everything that destroys right relations between God and people and land. And by God's grace, we've been raised into newness of life. A life that's no longer enslaved to sin, and which no longer fears neighbour or death. Instead, we've been raised to a life shaped by justice and joy, a life that is infinitely enriched by good relationships with God, with one another, with our neighbours, and with the land. 
when we try to go it alone, as indeed our society suggests we should, the forces of sin and death are too powerful to resist. But when we are united in Christ, we are not alone, and death has no dominion over us. We have Christ, we have one another, and when we present ourselves to God as instruments of justice, then by God's grace, sin will not prevail. Of course, how to do this, how to embody this, how to live into this newness, will always be a work in progress. But Wendell Berry offers some pointers. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant, that you will not live to harvest. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. And because Romans is written to a community of people who united in Christ, very prosaically, I would add, take seriously the sanctuary commitment, for it sets out practices of gathering, welcoming, sharing, justice-seeking, peacemaking, and creation care. And these are all communal practices which counter the sins and sorrows of our age. My friends, with Christ we died to sin so that we might walk in newness of life. So when all seems dead and the norms of this world threaten to overwhelm, join with others and choose life. Be brave. Be vulnerable. Trust God. Slow down. Love one another. Seek justice. Try things. Hang out. And don't worry about getting it all right. In Barry's words, be like the fox, who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. In all things indeed, walk in newness of life. And practice resurrection. In the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. And this week you'll find a reflection on the concept of balance, as you find in 2 Corinthians. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters, and if you'd like to support this work, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you'll find the details for this on the website. And to those who already support us financially, thank you so much. And if you can't, please don't. Just keep listening and receiving the good news. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Peak Warring people of the Eastern Ma Nation, a land taken by force and never ceded. This week, a cold snap, with heavy rain and much hail clattering on our old tin roof. The peace of the land, the waterways and skyways, be with us all. Amen. <laughs>